0: could never lie. I love when we party, dance and sing, and laugh just In Guess Who's Coming to the Wedding, we are introduced to one of my favorite characters, Stanley Stan Zbornak, Dorothy's philandering ex-husband Stan, who from this episode on will introduce himself with his trademark Hi It's Me Stan and have a varying degree of facial and head hair, both natural and otherwise. The story in this episode surrounds Dorothy's daughter, Kate, and her upcoming nuptials. As we're still in the earliest episodes, there's not a lot going on, but there certainly are a lot of weddings. We're running two for two now. And this episode really was more so about backstory development. Dorothy is still a bit in mod mode. She's anxious about the arrival of her daughter, which presents itself as her taking a swing at every burn, joke, and reaction possible. Nevertheless, she is elated when her daughter Kate calls to inform her that she is coming to bring her new boyfriend to Miami to meet her. Dorothy takes the meeting as a sign that Kate and this new boyfriend are getting quite serious. Dorothy's elation is only heightened by the fact that the boyfriend is a doctor. At first, it's to no surprise Blanche that is smitten by the idea of Dorothy's daughter dating a doctor, and she goes on to talk about what kind of money he must be making and such a stable and prestigious career. Dorothy plays it cool by saying that she just wants Kate to be happy, until she says how she would scream from the mountaintops that her son-in-law is a doctor. This isn't so much an oh boy as it's maybe funny or sad to see a character that is so strong-willed and independent and feminist as Dorothy get literally giddy at the idea of her daughter being kind of kept by a doctor. The whole setup is still giving pretty heavy sitcom vibes, but it is understandable we're only two episodes in, so we'll go easy. To get an idea as to why Blanche was so excited, an average salary for a physician in 1985 was $130,000 or just over $314,000 in today's money. So yeah, that is pretty exciting. But it does seem that just like how minimum wage hasn't moved much, doctors' salaries haven't changed much either, as they are now taking home an average of only 215000 a year. Once Kate arrives, Dorothy's excitement can no longer be contained as she greets her at the door and shows Kate off to the girls. Dennis, the boyfriend, or your doctor, as Dorothy refers to him, is at a seminar and will be joining later. But before he does, Kate shares the big news, that she and Dennis are, after six months of dating, six months. I mean, it's no two weeks from the first episode with Blanche, but damn, ladies, do you even know anything about this guy? Does he travel well? What will the holidays look like? What if he eats weird or gets super cranky in the summer heat? You've got to go through at least a year cycle before committing to somebody. But that's just my two cents. Anyway, Kate breaks the news that they're going to elope in the Bahamas in two days. Everyone is thrilled. Dorothy then collapses on the couch in excitement, but not because her daughter has found love or is so happy or wants to be with such a wonderful man. No, she clutches her own hands to say, I'm so happy. My daughter is marrying a doctor. It's then that it hits her that they are getting married in the Bahamas, which when I was little and watching the show, I thought that sounded so exotic and distant, when in reality... Miami to Bahamas is not only just a $50 plane ticket, but there's even a two and a half hour ferry you can take to get you there. Dorothy is saddened by the news as she says she has always dreamed of giving Kate away after she got her overbite fixed, which as someone who used to have a nine millimeter overbite and had a party trick of eating french fries without opening my mouth, I am equally offended by and relate to that sentiment. My mom probably secretly does too. Kate justifies the elopement by saying it's because of Dorothy and Stan's inability to get along. But Dorothy won't have it. She demands that they get married there in Miami. Rose and Blanche join in the coercion with offers to help. In that same second of the idea being thrown out, Kate is like, yeah, I actually do want a big white dress and my dad to walk me down the aisle. It's the mention of Stan and his presence throughout the episode that really shows Dorothy's sitcomy, over the top reactions. Even when Kate mentions him, she's like, nah, who needs their dad at their own wedding? When Kate calls Stan and Dorothy has to speak to him, we get our first plot whoopsie of the episode. When on the phone to Stan, Dorothy states that they haven't spoken in two years and that they were married for 38 years, meaning 1985 would have been their 40th anniversary. However, in season three, episode 17, Uncle Angelo fakes being a priest and they have to fake still being married, and they're reminded that it's their 40th anniversary. But according to this timeline, that would have made it their 43rd. So Dorothy calls Stan on the phone, and the interaction sounds like they don't even really know each other, which is funny with how much he becomes part of the show. With just a day's notice, Stan, for one of the only times in the series, actually has money and is able to get a last-second flight from Hawaii to Miami. It is interesting to see how Dorothy gets when talking to or about Stan, that she still continues to carry the bitterness towards him and resentment for what she felt like was a waste of her time... Her love, and her life, she really kind of needs to get some therapy. We then cut to the girls making hideous pastel satchels for the rice at the ceremony. Maybe it's just me, but if you only have about 30 or so hours to pull a wedding together, maybe hand-tied satchels of rice shouldn't be the first thing to consume your time. Coco. Do you know where the tradition of throwing rice at weddings came from? No, no. Well, to quote Dorothy, it's not because tomatoes leave stains. According to robertcenter.com, tossing rice at the end of the ceremony was meant to symbolize rain, which is said to be a sign of prosperity, fertility, and good fortune. More recently, wedding meddlers have cautioned against throwing rice because it was rumored to harm unsuspecting birds, who then swoop down and eat it once the crowd has left. That fact has actually been proven false. While grains present no imminent danger to birds, it is now more common to see different items for the send-off, such as bubbles or sparklers. That's a fun fact. Yep. (laughs) For the wedding, and speaking of cheese balls, Rose made 48 of them for the reception, but Sophia proceeds to eat about half of them, which makes me sick just thinking about it. Kate and Dennis arrive, and Dorothy is smitten with how handsome he is before going on about her continued bitterness towards Stan. Sophia surprisingly goes by the average title of grandmother, as opposed to the Italian Nona, since she is from Sicily. Dennis is diminished to just being a handsome doctor, but then the news is broken. Dorothy's face looks like she's been told someone died when Kate shares that Dennis is a podiatrist, a mere foot doctor. The girls go on to talk to him about being a podiatrist before Sophia asks him what he makes, which, with four years of grad school and taking home essentially the same income of a general physician, it is kind of odd that they would kind of take issue with it, like he wasn't a real doctor. Dennis is sweet about his love for Kate, and Dorothy is visibly relieved to see that her daughter will be taken care of. The next day... Less than 48 hours after bringing up the idea of having a wedding at the house, there are multiple gaudy bouquets hanging around, pastel pink party streamers strewn about looking like my fourth birthday, and Dorothy is rocking a very pink frock. Stan arrives wearing a suit, a lei, and toupee, which is odd, not the toupee, but the lei. You see, a lei is given as a welcoming gesture on the island of Hawaii, not a farewell, Also, that means he has been wearing that around his neck for the 12 or so hours it took him to get from Hawaii to Miami. I'm sure his aisle mates loved it. Stan is played by actor Herb Edelman. While he acted from the 60s to the 90s and had spots on everything from The Love Boat to Murder, She Wrote, it was the role of Stan that he was most famous and adored for. And personally, while I find Stan to be a schmuck, there is a certain naive charm to him. Sophia is seen in lipstick for, I'm pretty sure, the first and last time before Kate walks out in her very mid-80s wedding dress. Full lace sleeves, lacy and miserably itchy-looking collar, halo of flowers on her head holding the veil. Additionally, this dress fits her like a glove, something that would not happen in a day of shopping. In fact, it's recommended that dress shopping happens six to nine months before a wedding to make sure you get your fittings done correctly. This thing literally looked like uh, that dress in Dracula, the red one where she's got it going up her neck. (laughs) I
1: was I was imagining like from Beetlejuice. Yeah, same. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Totally gross.
0: When Stan takes a moment to sing Dorothy's praises, she responds with an awkward and unbecoming growl and literal bark. Like uh, by then, you're just kind of okay. We get it. She hates him. As Dorothy continues growling, Sophia, Kate, and Stan head out. Sophia once more mentioning that her stroke removed all memories of Stan, which we know isn't true and can at this point take it as a joke since she will recount basically everything he ever did to Dorothy in later episodes. Blanche then calls Dorothy out and tells her to cut the crap, that she needs to get over herself and get to her daughter's wedding, a wedding that is happening at a church, which again was able to squeeze them in last second. Before they make their way back to the house for the reception.
1: White privilege.
0: <laughs> Miami privilege, apparently. No one needs no one's getting married. Eighties Miami, they're too busy Vison.
1: Coking. Oh yeah. Cruising. Boozin'. Sometimes losin.
0: Blanche starts rambling and gets herself all horny again, talking about a sexy farmhand, before she and Rose follow everyone to the church. We come back to the house for the reception. There's music playing that I'm not sure we ever hear again in the series. If so, it's pretty infrequent. It's just horny, but not like Blanche, transition music that really makes a meal out of panning across the room. As we make our way from the hideous cake topper, we see even more pastel colors and unflattering outfits before getting back to Dorothy and Kate talking to Dennis. An almost oh boy, but really just a slight cringe comes when Dorothy is talking about Kate having played Abraham Lincoln in her school play and that when she freed the second grade, there wasn't a dry eye in the house. The almost oh boy coming from the comparison of freeing people that were enslaved to reenacting it with a second grade class. Stan then joins the conversation, and in talking about his new life with his new wife, he pulls out photos from his pocket. Not in his wallet or a holder, just a handful of pocket pictures. Dorothy gets some more digs in before we find Rose guarding the food she's made as Sophia is still eating all the cheese balls. It's implied they're disgusting, which is funny that Sophia has been chowing down on them since she usually hates any of the Nordic foods Rose makes. Dorothy and Blanche then sit on the sofa to have a heart-to-heart. Blanche gives Dorothy the tip that if she's feeling feelings, she can just grab on her hand, and it will calm her down, and Blanche will be there to support her. Just then, Stan returns with the beverages he was retrieving, and we get our first glimpse into Blanche's physical comedy skills. While Rue McClanahan was known as the sultry, sexy, alluring member of the Golden Girls, she has moments throughout the series that rival Lucille Balls. As Dorothy grabs Blanche's hand and Stan engages in conversation with her, she moves her body like a dashboard hula girl before, when Stan gives his toast about being happy in his new marriage, Dorothy is shown downing her drink while Blanche writhes and buckles over before falling to her knees, none of them giving it a second thought. Sophia, a deeply devoted Catholic, is paranoid there's a priest at the party, that he's anxious to give her her last rites, which are the prayers given to people as they're dying. Dorothy returns to the living room with a knife to cut the cake, but Rose thinks it's to kill Stan. Not fun fact, 31% of female victims are killed by an intimate partner, while only 4% of male victims are killed by an intimate partner. For more on that, you'll have to listen to my other show, Murder in the Rain. It's funny that Dorothy was charging out to cut the cake. It was like she was hosting a kid's birthday party, not a wedding. The happy couple isn't even near the cake, let alone cutting it themselves, as is the traditional expectation. The act of a newlywed couple cutting their wedding cake is meant to symbolize their first activity as a couple. The moments with Blanche and Rose are a great example of how they're looking out for Dorothy, knowing she's not in a great state of mind and needs their support. Cut to our first glance at Dorothy's room, and we get two things. One, we see that, as we saw with Blanche's in the first episode, she has a massive bedroom. I mean, hotel suite-sized. You've got an entire bed and multiple seating options, a little desk. It's nuts. But in this moment, when Sophia comes to check in on her, we get another opening credit shot, the one in which they're both sitting on the bed, holding and shaking their hands. Sophia calls Dorothy out for being a jerk, telling her that she needs to get over it and at the very least go talk to Stan. Her advice continues, sharing her thoughts on anger. Anger is a lot like a piece of shredded wheat stuck under your dentures. If you leave it there, you'll get a blister and you gotta eat Jello all week. If you get rid of it, the sore heals and you feel better. As the newlyweds head out, Dorothy has come to her senses and expresses a beautiful sentiment to her daughter. Be his friend, be his lover— Don't be his slave. Stan and Dorothy then head out to the lanai to talk. Her speech is beautifully presented in that the whole point of the episode was to create the backstory of these characters. But instead of mentioning things awkwardly, they let this woman have the floor and express her feelings, thoughts, and needs. She lays into Stan, rightfully and passionately, expressing her anger towards the fact that after their 38 or 36 year, depending on your math, marriage, she didn't know they were breaking up until his divorce lawyer called to tell her. She then goes into a beautiful, heartfelt, and heartbreaking speech that turns all of the emotional highs and lows of any relationship, but especially a nearly 40-year marriage, into the nutshell of pain, love, sadness, and grief. She stands her ground and is very clear to him as to what her boundaries, worth, and validation are in saying goodbye. In a whoopsie that isn't character or storyline, but technical, we get one when a camera comes into frame on the left side of the screen. Then, when Stan leaves, the girls go running out to comfort Dorothy, who is sitting on a lounge chair. As the girls all work at cheering Dorothy up, she then admits, by holding up her hand, that she has stolen, and probably not in a peaceful manner, his toupee. She presents this to the girls while saying, there will always be a piece of him with her. And she's not wrong. Coco actually informed me of a podcast he had listened to recently, wherein they claimed that when a person has intercourse with a male, they retain some of the DNA forever, meaning you carry pieces of every sexual partner you've had. As I looked into this, I discovered that isn't correct, but it isn't totally incorrect. Out, I'm outraged. (laughs) I'm sorry to call you out like this. Fun fact, 63% of female brains have male DNA, but it's not from sexual partners. Rather, it's most likely from pregnancy. The numbers are unknown, but a large percentage of pregnancies end in miscarriages, many of which occur without the mother even knowing she was pregnant hence the unknown percentage. So, from miscarriages or pregnancy, the woman carries a tiny bit of their male baby's DNA with them forever. Some other explanations for male DNA on the brain? If you have older brothers, their DNA can be passed down as the mother is still carrying it. And the other option, and coolest in my personal opinion, is that you absorbed a twin. Mm, and delish. you won. Delish. <laughs> you sicko. In the end, Dorothy was able to vocalize her needs, emotions, and frustrations, all while knowing she had her friends at her side. Never flinching or wavering, the girls helped with emotional management and wedding planning without a single word of complaint. For being only the second episode of the series, it not only provides a lot of backstory, but shows us just how resilient and flexible the girls' relationships can and will be. Until next time, thank you for being a friend. Coco, each week we are having listeners send in love letters, sharing their favorite moments from the show or memories of watching it with someone special. You actually haven't seen all of Golden Girls, and I kind of love that you're experiencing the full series through Always Be My Sisters. Of what you've seen, do you have any favorite moments or memories from watching the show?
1: I remember watching the show uh, with my grandma a lot, sitting on my grandma's bed on her floral comforter and her perfectly... Perfectly neat old lady room and watching uh, Golden Girls, Empty Nest, Unsolved Mysteries, Rescue 911, f- Matlock, Murder She Wrote, so many shows um, that are just, yeah, a real nice warm memory. So I don't have like specific Golden Girls memories, only that I remember watching them with her. It's a great nostalgia show and it's a great feeling show. There's something great that just, oh, it's just such a warm show. It's golden, baby, it glows.
0: Kate Krupa is a sassy, multi-talented graphic designer located in Central Florida. She runs the Etsy shop, The Red Swan Gift Shop. Visiting the Red Swan Gift Shop, you'll find stickers, bags, cards, buttons, and more, all featuring our favorite golden gals. Add some snarky flair to your life while supporting a small business by visiting etsy.com slash shop slash the Red Swan Gift Shop or visit her website, www.tatekrupa.com. And remember to shop small. Excuse me, are those finger jellies? Stan, for one of the only times in the series, has the money to get a last-second flight from Hiami. Hiami? That's Hawaii and Miami together. Welcome to (laughs) Hiami. And he can get a last-minute flight from how? Oh, my God. For the catering, Rose has made 48 cheese balls. Cheese balls.
1: (laughs) Can I just say that Old people should not be eating that much cheese.
0: That's my concern. Yeah,
1: that's a lot for a- 24 cheese balls. A very old Sicilian woman. That's not-
0: The bathroom issues alone.
1: Yeah. She might die from that. Honestly, I think that could kill an old person. Bind them up. You know? Bind, torture, kill (laughs) (laughs) with
0: cheese. (laughs) From the inside out. (laughs) I feel like I don't dig my heels in too much unless I
1: really know something. Yes, and you'll bet $10,000 on it. I know. I'll
0: hold a knife to your throat. I know. (laughs) And we get our first glimpse into Blanche's physical comedy, Comedy. And we get our first glimpse into glances.
1: (laughs) A glimpse into glances. Are you sure you want to do this show with Mm me? (laughs) I think we're bad at this again.
0: (laughs) Always Be My Sisters is written, hosted, and created by Alicia Holland. Produced and edited by Josh McCullough. Always Be My Sisters is a Cascade Media production. You'll always be my sister.